You're listening to the College Info Geek Podcast, where it's all about learning more, paying off your student debt, landing your dream job, and being awesome at college. Now, here's your host, Thomas Frank. Uh, Note to self, edit that out of here. Hey, welcome back to the College Info Geek Podcast. We might be stuck in a Bostrom simulation, but that doesn't make this stuff any less useful to you. So, once again, welcome back. We are on episode 12, and the coolest thing to mention right now is, hey, school's back here. We're back in classes. Or, actually, uh, I guess you guys are back in classes, and I'm just really old. Okay, well, to be honest, I... Am sort of back in classes because, as you may have read in my self-education post, I am very keen on keeping up with education, even if I'm not in a classroom about it. So this year, I have kind of formulated my own little self-study curriculum to keep educating myself beyond the classroom. And the first thing I'll be starting out with is reading all the way through all seven Harry Potter books. That's right. That's my class. Okay, not really. Um, I am doing that, but... What I've actually set up for myself is, one, keep studying Japanese. I have gotten to the point where I probably know over 100 kanji at this point, so it's progressing pretty well. And then I'm also reading about the brain and rationality and you know decision theory and things like that. So I'm going to be reading Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman and some other books, and I hope to be able to create some cool content about basically how the brain works, how you can, how you can basically hack your learning and think better and learn some decision theory and some probability and some cool things that will enhance your life. So look forward to that stuff in the future. Anyway, since this is the first week of classes for a lot of universities, maybe you started earlier, maybe you start next week, but at least here in Iowa, everyone started, I decided that I wanted to do something for the freshmen coming in. I've been getting a lot of emails from people who just finished high school or who are still in high school or brand new freshmen who found the site. And for those of you that are freshmen or that did email me, thank you so much. I'm glad that you are liking what you've seen. Um, But I want to do a podcast episode for you guys. So the topic of today's episode is going to be seven essential tips for surviving your freshman year. And this is not going to be a post about laundry. This is not going to be a post about the cafeteria, maybe a little bit, but Um, For those of you that are not freshmen, I think this will still be some useful content. I will have one or two uh, items that are specific to freshmen, but I guess not super specific, but kind of specific. But the rest of them are just things that you can evaluate in your own life and see if you're doing the right way. So before we dive in, um, as always, you can get the show notes for this episode along with all the cool tools and resources I've linked to and calls to actions at collegeinfogeek.com slash cast. You'll find a listing of all the podcast episodes there. Um, the episode 12 link will take you to those show notes. You can also check out the show notes and links for downloading all the other podcast episodes at that page. So if you're new to this podcast, definitely go check out some of the other episodes. I'm really, really especially proud of some of the interviews I've done with other entrepreneurs and successful people. If you'd like to learn from those people, you should definitely check those out. Download them onto your iPod when you go running or to the gym, or whatever, what have you, long drives. I don't know when you guys listen to this stuff. How do you find the time? I don't know, but apparently you do. Um, And again, if you do like 
this stuff. If you are getting some good information, some good tips and facts from the podcast, then I would definitely appreciate it if you went to iTunes and wrote a review. Um, For one, it just helps me get some feedback and to see what you guys like, what you guys don't like. But for two, it also helps bump this show up in the rankings and get it out to more people. So, win-win. Win for me. Work for you. But, please? Anyway, so let's dive into these seven essential tips for freshman year. So, starting college is an exciting experience. It's full of newness. It's full of uncertainty and stress. Both good and bad. Eustress and distresses. They call it in scientific circles. And there will be, and there probably already are, tons of people just heaping tons of advice on you. Here, have some advice. Hey, I back in my day, we had wars instead of college, but here's... I know things about college. I'm 47 years... Anyway, mounds of it. More advice than you know how to handle. So, here's some more. These are the seven tips that I think are essential for making the most out of your freshman year, and indeed, college in its entirety. So, as I said, for those of you who aren't freshmen, keep listening. This is still probably useful stuff to review in your mind, if you already know. So, anyway, tip number one. Time management is your first priority. That's absolutely true. A quote from the book that I stood my mic upon, my Douglas Adams leather-bound hardcover five ultimate guide to ultimate hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy time is illusion lunchtime doubly so forward prefect yes so most people with goals ambitions digital watches complain that they don't have enough time in fact we all have the exact same amount of time on a day-to-day basis at least some of us will die sooner than others but on a day-to-day basis we all have got 24 hours it's just that some of us used to use that time to cram more things uh, into our daily schedule than others. So now that you're in college, your time is now a sardine can, or at least it should be. That's why it's essential to learn good time management skills as soon as you can. So college, if nothing else, is a breeding ground of opportunity, and it's probably a hailstorm of it, to be honest. There's going to be things to sign up for. There's going to be part-time job opportunities, classes. Some of you will want to double major. Some of you will quite naively want to triple major. That probably won't happen, but you might want to. Um, Regardless of who you are, you're going to be hit with opportunities of all types. Most of them are at least good to try out. Um, I definitely recommend just trying out as many things as possible as a freshman. That's what I did. I just joined a lot of clubs Uh, Joined a lot of organizations that I thought would be cool. A lot of them I quit really quickly. Some of them I stayed with. Um, But it was all a really, every single one was a really good opportunity and a good experience to meet people and just try things out. However, going to all these clubs, going to all these classes, jousting with your mattresses in the hallways, every single one of these things is different and it results in your time being fragmented. Whereas the average adult's nine to five might just say work, or, you know, have a meeting thrown in there in between development time, sitting in the cubicle. Yours is going to be packed with maybe a dozen events. So when I had Google Calendar, I would actually color code my events. I had multiple calendars, and each calendar represented a different part of my life. So I'd have work calendar, a class calendar, campus events calendar. Um, I was running a web design business at the time, so I had a freelancing calendar. I made a homework calendar, and then I color coded them. So... My calendar during my freshman and sophomore years was just a mosaic, basically, and constantly filled up from dusk till dawn. I guess you should switch those two around, actually, not nocturnal. Um, But it was very useful for me because I learned 
how to manage my time very effectively. I learned how to fit a lot of good things into my time. And I wasn't always so stressed and I wasn't really bumping up against deadlines very often. I was able to get things done. So learn to manage your time. As I say, Google Calendar is really, really useful. You could also use iCal. Um, if you have an iPhone, there's an app I really like called Fantastical. And they have it on the Mac, they have it on the iPhone, and it will hook into your iCal, which in turn can hook into your Google Calendar. And the cool thing I like about it is you can actually make events just by talking to it and it has natural language recognition so you can say meet jim for lunch at the cafeteria tomorrow at 10 and it'll just perfectly make the event for you and sync it up another thing i always do is or i've done recently actually i never did this before is set up sms alerts and email alerts for my google calendar so if i have an event coming up soon i will get an sms or text message about 45 minutes before it starts. And then I also have a daily digest email that comes straight into my inbox at 5 a.m. just telling me what I have to do for the day. Now, when I was in college, I would religiously check my calendar every day, all day. And as the years have gone on, I've kind of gotten lazy about that. And I've gotten lazy about to-do lists as well. But the one thing I always check nonstop every day, probably too much, is my email. So if that's you, I would recommend using your email inbox as a catch-all for your events, just to make sure you never forget anything. So get good at the time management techniques. Take a few minutes each morning to look over your day, and you'll be good. Building these habits will really help you keep everything straight in your head and get the most out of your time in school. So time management, do it. Moving on. Number two. You ever watch the uh, Most Extreme series on Animal Planet? Most Extreme Deadly Animals or Hunters? It's like, number three. I love that series. Anyway, number two, not three. Your computer is your second brain. It's no secret that some of your professors were born before the Renaissance. Don't believe me? Well, just try to explain why they still make you write essays by hand. I seriously had a programming class where we had to write programs on paper with pencils. And the tests were done by hand. However, this isn't the norm, luckily. More and more computers are becoming essential tools that students can't live without, and I'd go as far as to say that your computer is, again, your second brain. So, like the lump that's sitting up in your cranial cavity, your second brain needs to be taken care of. Don't expose it to extreme heat. It's probably a good idea to keep it away from bath salts. Those are also good things to keep your first brain away from. But more to the point, the contents inside your computer are precious. Don't lose them. So when I was a freshman, I worked at my school's tech support center, and I saw more than my fair share of devastated students coming in, having lost everything on their laptop, and they didn't have a freaking backup. Seriously, what the heck? It's not that hard. So use a program like Dropbox to keep all of your important schoolwork backed up to the cloud. I especially love Dropbox because it syncs everything. So I had a laptop and a netbook during freshman year. And then I soon upgraded the laptop to a desktop and the netbook to another laptop. That's beyond the point. I had two computers. And I also had an iPod Touch. And I also would use campus computers a lot. So the nice thing about Dropbox is within my two gigs of allotted storage that you get on the free plan, I could keep all my homework, all my projects, all my freelance things, everything that wasn't really movies and music and big files, I would keep stuff in the Dropbox. 
And every time I make a change to Dropbox, it backs it up to the cloud and it syncs it over the new computers. So if I have a Photoshop file open on my desktop, make a change to it, save it, it's gonna kick that change over on all devices. I could open that on my laptop later, keep working from the coffee shop or from the design building, which I'm gonna go work at later today, and good to go. I can also check out the files on my phone. And the coolest thing, especially for you guys, if you forget your laptop at home or you have a desktop and you forget to print paper that's due and you come to class and you realize, oh crap, I don't have it. Just pop off to the lab, log into your Dropbox account, print it out. It's a lifesaver. Also, you want to protect your computer as well. Now, if you want to know like really, really good in-depth techniques on how to keep safe and protect your computer, then I suggest you refer back to College Info Geek podcast episode three, How Not to Be Dumb on the Internet. That's a podcast all about computer security, keeping yourself safe online, protecting your identity. But just a few quick recommendations. If you use the Chrome browser or uh, the Firefox browser, which I definitely recommend using one or two, one of the two, then use Adblock and Web of Trust. Adblock will block ads and Web of Trust will show you sites that are trusted and it will alert you to a site that is not trusted or has malware on it. So add those to your browsers and that'll keep you away from harmful sites. I'll also say make sure your program at your computer has a good antivirus. It probably does these days. I believe Windows 8 computers come straight with uh, Microsoft anti-whatever they have these days. And um, you can also get antivirus on your Mac if you have that as well. So just take care of your computer. It's your second brain. And speaking of second brains, I specifically refer to my second brain as Evernote. So if you haven't heard of Evernote, Evernote is a note-taking application that is like Dropbox in the fact that it syncs. So you can have Evernote on your phone, on your Mac, on your desktop. It also has a web app. And whenever you take notes, make a new note, it'll sync it across to all the other platforms. So everything about my life is in Evernote that's not super secure. I don't have my social security number in Evernote, but all my notes, um, whenever I'll outline an article or write down an idea for an article, I'll clip articles from the web that I wanna read later. I keep track of, you know, apartment things and just like all the little, you know, all the thing, all the information that you don't think about on a daily basis, just like receipts and emails that you want to keep or like tickets you print out for a concert. I'll throw that in Evernote so I always have it. And the coolest thing for college is I took all of my notes on Evernote. So for the most part, I would bring my laptop to class. I would type up all my notes in Evernote and then I would have them synced everywhere. So when I would show up on test day and we were all forced to stand out in the hallway waiting for the test doors, the doors to the classroom to open, I'd just get out my phone and bring up my notes in Evernote and just study them real quick there. Really awesome. And the cool thing about notes as well, if you don't want to type your notes, you can just write your notes out by hand, like some people like to do. And then later you can scan them and Evernote will make them searchable. So you can do a control F. So if you have the discipline to scan all your notes in, you'll have a really nice full archive of your handwritten notes that you can look at anywhere from any device you have and search. Definitely use it. Okay, tip number three, moving right on. Don't bring so much stuff. Now this is one of those tips that is kind of specific to freshmen because I think the rest of us already know it from experience. But seriously, don't bring so much stuff. Move-in day 2009 was a pretty rough day for me and the reason for that is simple. I brought way too much crap. The other reason was because it was storming and raining and torrential downpour and we only had an open trailer. But that's besides the point. 
So in addition to bringing probably twice the amount of clothes I needed, my roommate and I collectively brought everything you'd ever need for cooking meals in a kitchen. Pots, pans, a 1970s microwave that was like I probably 50 pounds. Um, the only problem was we were moving into a dorm room. No kitchen there. So all that stuff ended up being useless. We had a meal plan anyway. So three meals a day were at the cafeteria where they had all the food we could ever want. So all that stuff ended up just taking up a ton of space and we honestly just gave it all to Goodwill at one point. It can be really tempting to bring a lot of stuff to school, especially when you're looking over five different college essentials lists online. Pro tip, I'm going to have my own pretty soon. Anyway, however, if you take some time to actually think about what you truly need, you can save yourself a lot of space and time. Honestly, you probably won't spend that much time in your dorm room, and if you do, it'll be playing video games or studying. It probably won't be playing Jenga and five different other board games. So just think about what you actually need and when you move in, if you find that you didn't bring something, then you can have your parents bring it to you the next time they show up or ship it to you or something. If you're moving really, really far away, maybe think about this even harder. Um, but if not, if it's not too far of a drive back to your parents' house, don't worry about it. It's not that big of a deal to go get it during Thanksgiving or during Labor Day weekend or whatever. So don't bring too much stuff. Tip number four, get a part-time job. Do it. The job versus no job debate in college, the argument has been going on for centuries, probably. Lots of people will say you shouldn't work in college. Your studies are your job. You'll stress yourself out too much. You won't have time to call me every night. These are probably things that you have heard your mother say. But I think having a job in college is a fantastic idea. And I held on-campus jobs for all but one of my eight semesters, and they provided me with a ton of benefits. So... From a very, very, very recently former college student, I'm telling you to do it. The benefits that I gained from having on-campus jobs included extra money, which is the biggest thing. Um, the biggest thing is you don't have to take out extra loans, which charge interest. So if you are able to pay off, say, your apartment, or if you're smart and you do an installment plan on your dorm instead of paying all up front at the beginning of the semester with a loan... You can skip taking out that loan. You can make the 250 to $300 a month that you would need to sock in to pay for your dorm and not the pay interest. Also, having extra money just gives you pocket money to do things. You can go out to eat. You can go out to Walmart and buy something if you want to. You can buy a book online. In college, it was never a big deal if I wanted to buy something because I was working a good amount, probably 20 hours a week for the most part. And I always had enough money to buy little things I wanted, you know, but I couldn't buy a car or anything, but I could buy like a lamp for my desk or a new computer monitor every once in a while. So, and I'll admit, I probably spent way too much money my first couple of years, but since I had a job, it wasn't money that I didn't have. It was money I did have, and maybe I wasn't managing it perfectly, but I had it. And I wouldn't have had it otherwise if I would have acted like my studies or my job. The second benefit of having a job is time management skills. So I actually got a job and started it on campus before classes even started. Um, when I was, uh, you know, ending high school, I was like kind of naive. And I thought the only college, the only jobs for college students would be like flipping burgers or driving the Ride bus or, you know, something really, really, really mundane. And my friend Ben actually found out that 
there are students that work at the tech support center on campus and help people fix their computers. And he told me about it. We went in and applied and we got hired. Blew my mind. I'm going to get to fix computers as a college student and not have to touch burgers. Okay. Okay. All right. World's over. Get off the ride now. But I got hired. It was really cool. And one thing about that job is, at least back when I worked at it, you scheduled yourself every week. They would basically open up a giant calendar and show all the hours available. And then you just pick and choose what you want. And this really, really helped me to concretely learn how to manage my time. Because every week I would I would select new hours for myself. Um, I get bored easily. I like to have variations. So I would always select different hours. And often I would select really, really early morning and really late night shifts. So I'd have the day free. So I was always getting these hours, throwing them on my calendar, being very, very in tune with my schedule. And as a result, my time management skills were just really, really solid during my first year. And as a result of that, I was always able to get my homework done on time because I knew when I had to be at work. I knew when I had to be at class. My calendar was imprinted on my brain like a tattoo or a brand, but it didn't hurt as much. And I knew when I had free time to do homework. And I also knew that I would have free time to have fun as well, which I did. I I did work more than most students, but I also had a good amount of free time. So it's not it's not like it's a job is going to take all your time away. The third benefit is professional skills. So I learned to communicate a lot better. I learned to write, you know, I had to do emails. I had to answer email questions. I had to um, talk on the phone. The main, I mean, the main part of the job was talking on the phone with people and helping them fix their problems. So, I mean, from that, I learned how to be empathetic with someone who has a problem that I understand. If they don't, you know, I know they don't understand it. So I have to be empathetic. I learned how to communicate clearly, how to listen well, how to do something on the phone while talking to somebody. It was a really, really good job for building my skills as well as getting some money. So the professional skills you learn from on-campus jobs can be really, really beneficial. And I would say that um, it's really, it's more beneficial if you can find a job that is either in your major or close to your coursework or one that is very heavy on communication skills. So an office assistant where you're, you know, talking to people coming into the office or taking phone calls, something like that will help you immensely in the professional world. Um, The fourth benefit is relationships with lots of campus officials. Because of all these jobs, I got to meet a lot of people who work in a lot of different departments on campus. So it's pretty cool when you can walk by the president of the university and wave and get a smile back and they recognize you and the director of residence and the director of student life and, and orientation and all that stuff. Knowing those people was pretty cool. But it also helps for recommendations later on if you're going to grad school or you need a recommendation for a scholarship or, you know, anything like that. It's very helpful to have relationships with those people. I talk a lot about networking and how important it is. Well, having on-campus jobs can get you networking relationships with some really, really important people on your campus. So definitely, you know, get into it for that. Um, And then the fifth benefit is a kick-ass resume. A lot of students can only put their high school jobs on their resume for like the first couple of years of college. You'll see Burger King. You'll see working at the hardware store. And I mean, that's honest work. It's great. But again, if you can find something that is within your major area while you're a freshman or a sophomore, then you have a huge leg up 
when it comes time to look for internships. Because you can go into an interview with a resume that shows that you have done something close to your major or done something in a professional environment already that's not fast food. That's a huge leg up. And it was a huge leg up for me as well. Being able to say that I fix people's computers and that you know I, I know Windows, I know all these different tech skills, I have all these communication skills from talking on the phone, basically made me a shoe in for the internships I wanted. Um, that and the combination of networking that I did, it was not difficult to get the internship I wanted to get. So definitely get a part-time job on campus. As I said, try to find one close to your major or close to a professional environment. And by doing this, you'll come out of college with a ton of hands-on experience that you can use to impress recruiters, which is probably your main goal. Pair that with a summer internship or two and you stand out easily. Do it. Yeah. And that leads into the fifth tip. Start building your personal brand right now. If you haven't started thinking about what you want to be after you graduate and how you're going to market yourself to be that, then right now is the time to start. I don't care if you just started college. I don't care if it feels like four years down the road and graduation is forever. It's not forever from now. It's just four years. And four years seems like a lot when you're a freshman, but then you become a sophomore and you're like, oh, it's only three years. And then a junior, oh, only two. And then a senior. And then you're in your last semester. And most of your friends want to go out to the bars every single weeknight, which is fine. But you also have to think about the fact that you're graduating pretty soon. And hopefully you built a foundation from day one, from your first day of freshman year, that will help you once you graduate. So maybe you're sitting here thinking, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm convinced. I'm sold. Sure. What the heck is a personal brand? That's totally fine. Most students aren't sure what a personal brand is. I gave a talk to a room full of honor students and I said, who here can tell me what a personal brand is? And not a single person could tell me. So it's fine. It's it's just, I think it's something that just a lot of people aren't really sure about the term means, but once you are explained, once it's explained to you, you know what it means. So basically a personal brand is the intersection of your passions, what you really love to do, your skills, what you're really good at, and what you can help someone with. So what you could help, what you can help a a company with, or what you could help an entrepreneur with if they wanted to hire you, or what you could help a target market with if you have something to bring to market as an entrepreneur yourself. Whatever you can use that there's a market for, that is what your personal brand will be. So the intersection between passions, your skills, and what you can market yourself as. And if you learn how to create an effective brand how to bring these three different parts together into a sweet spot and get your name out there as an expert in that area, you'll get an unimaginable leg up on other students who don't even know what a personal brand is. Here's the news. Your degree is not going to get you a job on its own. So you got to do something more to set yourself apart. So as I said, building a personal brand means getting your name out there. It means making sure that you're an expert in your field and you want people to know you're an expert in your field. You want people to know your name. You want to associate your name with a concept like eat fresh. When I say eat fresh, you think Subway. You might not think Subway's actually fresh food, but they have done an incredibly good job at branding themselves to that tagline, to that idea of fresh food. So I want to brand myself to college expert. When you think college expert, when you think who can help me be awesome at college, I want you to think Thomas Frank. And I do a lot of work to make sure that people can you know, know who I am and tie me to that idea. So what's your idea? You know, what is, what is your, what is your 
area of expertise or the thing you want to become an expert in, whether it's like iPhone app development or fashion writing or whatever, you need to start thinking, how can I tie my name to that concept, both conceptually in people's minds and in the code on Google. So the components of a successful personal brand are um, varied, but here are some that you can start out with. So the first one is a tailored resume, and that is specific to the job that you're applying for. A lot of people just make one resume and they don't do anything with it afterwards. So just send it out as is. But if you're applying for a job as a network administrator, or if you're applying for a job as a camp counselor, there's probably some things you could do to your resume for each one of those jobs to tailor it for the person that's going to look at it. If you have volunteer experience, you may want to highlight that on your resume if you're applying to be a camp counselor for a summer. But if you're applying for a network administration job in a big corporation, then you want to put your networking experience and your computer experience and professional experience first. Highlight the things on your resume that matter. And once you get to the point where you have a lot of different experiences and a lot of different jobs under your belt, then you can start pruning your resume and selecting the things to put onto it and selecting the things to take off of it for specific jobs. So that's your resume. However, resumes are old hat. They're boring. They suck. I hate resumes, to be honest. A LinkedIn profile is all I would like to use. Unfortunately, resumes are part of our culture. You need them. But an even more important thing, in my opinion, is having a personal website, which displays your credentials, your portfolio, your contact info, maybe even a blog. I would suggest definitely having a blog. A personal website is your online home base. So if social networks are the online cocktail parties and you know networking conventions of the internet world, then your personal site is your home. Or more aptly, I think a metaphor would be your business because people are going to come by and look at it intently. So think of your personal website as your storefront for yourself as a product. You want to put your best name forward. You want to show everything on that site that you want a recruiter or a professional contact to see. As I said before, your credentials, you can have your resume on there. And the great thing about a personal website is it doesn't go out of date as long as you keep it updated. The moment you hand out a paper copy of your resume to someone, it's outdated. The next day you could go get a new job somewhere or you could do a volunteer thing or you could learn a new skill. You could go into Code Academy and teach yourself PHP over a weekend. That's not on that old copy of that resume. And that person who has that old copy is never going to know that you improved. However, if on that resume you have your URL, thomasjfrank.com for me, they can go to that new site that is yours. And when you update it, they can see that, okay, this guy learned a new coding language over the weekend, or this guy did a volunteer experience. That's awesome. You can also have a portfolio on your site. So it's really hard to show off your work on a resume. You can list your jobs and you can list your accomplishments if you have specific accomplishments or your duties if you don't. But on a personal website, you can create a portfolio page where you can show off your work. If you're an engineer, you can show off your CAD drawings, or if you're a designer, especially for designers, you can show off all of your work on a personal website. You can also make your personal website a piece of work in itself. If you take some time to learn how to style your content, how to use CSS to make the presentation nice, you can use your present your personal website as a showcase of your skill if you're a developer or a designer or just someone who wants to get the idea out that they're willing to learn anything and they're willing to work hard. A personal website that looks great is a great way to communicate that. 
and then having your contact info, linking out to all your social profiles that you're active on. You know, as I said before, it's your home base. So if people want to find you on Twitter or find you on LinkedIn, they should be able to easily do that from your personal website. And also on your social profiles, you want to link back to your personal website because as I said before, it's your home base. And then as I said, a blog, a great way to establish yourself as an expert in any field, even if you don't have experience and no one will hire you yet, is to start a blog in it. Because you can start writing about the things you're learning in that field and establishing yourself as a knowledgeable person, you know, putting out public content. I know this, here's here's how to do something and helping people. Having a public record, you know, having a public blog where you write things and you publish tips and advice and, you know, what you've learned is incredible to show people that, you know, this guy actually knows what he's talking about or this guy is very, very intent on learning it. Definitely have a blog. Another component for your your personal brand would be business cards. I think if you're a freshman, it's a little early to build a business to have a business card because if you waltz up to a recruiter in a career fair and hand out a business card that says, Mike Davis, freshman in engineering, you're going to look like a douche. And those aren't my words. Those were a comment on my business card tutorial post, which I can link to in the show notes. Um, so definitely have have a brand first. Have like something that you're an expert in. Have some experience before you make business cards. But once you do, they're a great way to stand out because not a lot of people make them. Not a lot of the people that do make them make crappy looking ones. So use a site like moo.com to make a really nice, colorful business card or just something that's not flimsy and corners that bend and, you know, crappy normal business cards make nice ones when you get around to doing it and that'll help you stand out and then i hinted at this before a well-established social media preference presence excuse me is another really important component of your personal brand when somebody googles you those are the profiles that are going to come up hopefully your personal website will also come up but your your facebook's going to come up unless you have it set to private your twitter will come up your linkedin will come up you know, and you want to control what comes up in your Google searches. So establish a social media presence that is well tailored. Make sure your profiles represent what you want to be an expert in. They represent you well and cast you in a good light and link back to your personal website so you can show off your work. And then I think there's an offline component to a personal brand. Now, when I talked to Gary Vaynerchuk in uh, episode eight, he said, your personal brand is what happens after we Google you. And I definitely agree with that. But I think a network of people who can help you, your actual network in real life is a part of your personal brand. And it's probably the most important part. We are social animals. We don't get anything done unless people help us, unless we help other people. Everything around you is a result of teamwork. So having a network, you know, getting out and and getting your name out and meeting people and helping other people, having them help you is the most important thing that you will learn. It's a lifelong learning experience. It's something you'll never be a master at, but it's something you definitely want to do. So attend conferences for your major or go to events. You make friends on campus, go to clubs, just start building a network of people. Make sure they know what your brand is. Make sure they know what you're all about, what your goals are, and then make sure you take interest in them as well. Make sure you know what their goals are, what they want to do and try to help them out. Say if they have a blog, read their blog articles share them, you know, give feedback on them. Or if they need help with something, you know, just lend a hand. It's all about, life is about helping people really. And having a network is just about having a group of people that you want to help, that you know you can count on. 
they're basically your friends. So those are the biggest components of a personal brand. Um, College Info Geek is has a lot of personal branding content, so there's definitely more you can go on to uh, read on the site, and I'll be coming out with a lot more in the future. So this is one of the biggest topics on the site that I'm focusing on, so for sure you're going to get more, but this is kind of an intro for you if you haven't heard about it before. Um, building, Yeah, so I think that's all I have to say on personal branding, to be honest. So let's move on to tip number six. And I know I said I wouldn't really talk about the cafeteria. This is a little bit tangential into that. Um, take your health seriously. Lots of different people will say it different ways, but the common wisdom is this. Once you turn 25, your body starts falling apart. And it's up to you to decide how slowly and gracefully that's going to happen. Now, you're not 25 yet. You're thinking, I'm 18. I'm invincible. Seven years until then, I can do whatever I want. However, you should start taking your health seriously right now. Because the habits you build in your late teens and your early 20s are most likely going to set the course for your entire life. Of course, there are people who are 30 or 40 who decide to get in shape and they make epic transformations and it's super cool. If you want to see some of those, nerdfitness.com is definitely the place to go. Um, that definitely happens. But for the most part, the habits you build now as a late teenager, as an early 20-year-old, that's going to set what you do going forward. So if you build healthy habits now, if you make sure you're eating right and you're exercising and you're sleeping a lot when you're at this big whirlwind of events in college, that's probably what you're going to do when you get out. Pay attention to your nutrition. You may have access to an all-you-can-eat buffet at school. I mean, I know I did, but it doesn't mean you can eat whatever you want and get away with it. Remember, your food is your fuel, and the quality of the fuel you put in your body affects your body's performance, of course. So... Take that seriously. It doesn't mean you have to eat perfect all the time, but try not to go to the campus gas station store thing and buy 12 energy drinks and have one for breakfast every morning. I did that. That wasn't a good idea. I mean, my face was exploding. It was not good. So have water when you wake up or maybe coffee, but water. And make sure you make time to exercise as well. Like I said, your time is going to be a sardine can packed with tons of events, clubs, organizations, jobs, classes, maybe. And you're going to feel like you don't have time, but definitely find time to work out. What I found really useful in the last couple of years of school was I took a weightlifting class. So I had to show up three times a week and I had to put in a good effort. And that was really helpful for me. I've, I've had a lot of times where I'm very, very motivated to work out and I'll definitely do it every day. And then I go through phases and you know months at a time where I'm like, interested in something else. I'm interested in a conceptual topic or I'm interested in building something on my website and my health kind of takes a backstage. So having something that forces you to work out is a great idea if you don't find the motivation on your own very easily. And then lastly, get sleep. You probably won't because it's college. There's stuff to do, events to attend, animal crossing to play until 3 a.m. But you should make an effort. And then my last tip, which is the most important one to me, and I hope you'll take this one the most seriously. If you've listened this far, thank you. I've talked a lot more than I thought I was going to for this episode. But the last tip is build your life around your true goals. A lot of students come to college thinking that their program of study is the automatic track to success, and they basically think it's like a train they can ride to the end of the track. Well, this isn't the Hogwarts Express, okay? And it doesn't take you to a magical castle at the end. It takes you to wherever you direct it. That mindset, 
that whole magical train mindset, couldn't be further from the truth. College is simply one part of a journey towards reaching your goals. It'll help you. It'll help you more if you make it help you. But it's not the only thing. As soon as you can, sit down and think really hard about your goals in life. And I don't just mean your career goals. I don't just mean like, I want to work at KPMG and I want to make 60 grand a year. Think about those, but also more importantly, think about the lifestyle you want to live. Think about things like where you'd like to live. Do you want to move out to California when you graduate? Do you want to move to a different country? Do you want to stay where you are and stay with your friends? And you know, this is something that will evolve as you go through college, as will all of these goals. But definitely think about your location. Um, when I was a sophomore, I couldn't wait to get out of Iowa. I was going to go straight to San Francisco, and that was going to be the end of it. And now that I've graduated, I've realized San Francisco, you're paying like 2000 bucks a month for an apartment. And here in Iowa, I'm paying 350 and I get to live with all my best friends. I think I might stay here. So be constantly evaluating that. Also, your ideal work-life balance. So some of you might want to go be investment bankers. And to you, I say, ha, and please don't because you will work yourself to death. Think about, you know, do I actually want to have time to work? And also look into how much money it actually takes to live a happy life because you don't have to make $120,000 a year to be happy. You could make 60, you could make 50. Depending on where you live, you could easily make 40 and still be very happy. As long as you don't get into the mindset where you need to buy stuff to be happy, then you could easily make less money and work less hours and have more time to do what you want. Think about the type of work culture you like. Do you like corporate culture or it's, you know, everything, all the values are deeply ingrained and it's a big system and you're kind of part of the machine. Some people definitely like that. Some people don't. I really don't, but think about it. Do you, do you want to be a part of a startup where you're part of a very small core team and everyone is part of everything and knows everything that's going on? Or do you want to be self-employed? Do you want to be a lone wolf and, you know, go off on your own? That's currently what I do. And it's, a really romantic vision when you're thinking about it, you know, working for myself, I can drive down to the lake with my 4G uh, hotspot thing and work from the beach. Technically, I can do that. Do I do it in practice? Nope, probably not. Um, but it's something you can think about, you know, do you want to build the sort of life where you can do that? If if that is you, I would actually um, suggest going and listening to the Fizzle Show podcast. There's an episode about teamwork. Um, three of my favorite entrepreneurs, Corbett Barr and Caleb Wojcik and Chase Reeves, they all have come together to build this product called Fizzle, which helps people build online businesses. But before that, they were all lone wolves doing their own thing. And one of my favorite episodes of that show is where they talk about the transition from being lone wolves to working in a team environment and you know how they like that better. So definitely take a listen to that if you are thinking you want to be a lone wolf. And of course, you want a family. How soon do you want to have a family? So, you know, take these goals very, very seriously, especially when it comes to taking out loans. So, you know, as I said before, graduation seems like it's a long time away. Four years is like, you know, a fifth of your current life so far. So it seems like a ton of time. But when you graduate, if you have a lot of loans, that will severely limit your freedom and what you can do. If you come into college as a freshman and you want to be an investment banker and you're banking on 120k per year and then as a junior you decide I don't want to do this, I want to go work with kids, I want to be a teacher. 
Then you graduate and you've got $60,000 in loans. You can't pay for that on a teacher's salary. You're forced to go into the original line of work that you no longer want to do anymore. So think about taking loans very carefully. Remember that your freedom is very valuable. Your time is very valuable and your ability to make choices with what to do with your time, with what to do with your life is very valuable. And those things are more valuable than a piece of paper saying that you're a business major from some hotshot business school. It's so much more important. So please think about, think very carefully and very hard before you take a loan. Think, how can I pay for something? You know, just, I would say, don't take loans, figure out a way to go to college without loans. But if you're going to consider them, think very hard about your life goals and very hard about the potential for your life goals to change. Now, in, in addition to these life goals, you can also think about experiences, like specific experiences that you'd like to have and skills that you'd like to acquire. And it's really good to write these things down and be actively pursuing these goals that you have. I have a page on College and Boogie called My Impossible List, where I list out all the crazy, awesome goals that I want to do with my life, my business goals, my educational goals, travel goals, crazy goals like wingsuit gliding and skydiving and cool things like that. And it's, an, it's just an ever-evolving list of all the big goals in my life. And to be honest, this page has done a lot to shape my decisions through college. And I highly recommend that you make one. If you do decide to build your personal website and you throw a blog on there, or if, even without a blog, I would put a personal or an impossible list page on there and just list out your goals. An impossible list is different from a bucket list um, because it is, it is active you're crossing items out and when you cross items out, you make sub lists and, you know, either like a new incremental goal. So if you do a 10K, then now I want to do an Ironman or now I want to do this 10K in less than half an hour or something like that. Um, it's not like a bucket list where it's just, I wish I could do these crazy things sometime in my life. It's, I'm going to do these things and I'm crossing them off as I go and I'm actively pursuing them. I got this idea from Joel Runyon over from uh, impossiblehq.com. So check out his website if you'd like. It's a really cool website, um, but also just make your own impossible list. Figure out what you want to experience in your life, what you want to be able to do in the life you want to build. Think about it, write it down, be very proactive. That is my biggest tip. This is your first year. You don't need to know everything right now. However, it's essential to actively think about what you want going forward because the path you lay out in front of you is the path you're going to follow. So know what the path is, or at least what you want it to be. Those are my seven tips. I hope that you've gotten a lot of value out of this episode. Hopefully that you've got, you've got something things that you can start laying out to make your freshman year successful and build a foundation for the rest of college. If you weren't a freshman and you still listen to this, thank you. Hopefully I got some value in there for you. And once again, if you want to get the show notes for this episode, collegeinfogeek.com slash cast. Just hit that link for episode 12. I'll link to all the apps and tools I talked about. In this podcast, I'll link to some other articles I've written and uh, you can you know read those and dig further in if you're interested in any of the things I've talked about. Otherwise, I will see you next time I release a podcast episode and definitely leave a review on iTunes if you haven't already. All right, peace out. Thanks for listening to the College Info Geek Podcast. Grow your brain even more at www.collegeinfogeek.com.